Hi, I'm Sierra. And I'm Andrew. And we're the Newmans. And this is our Tavern for Two. Well, for this week it's the Tavern for Three. We've got a guest. I'm Travis. I've been playing with them for, God, like almost six years now. Something like that on and off. Six, seven. Yeah. Overall seven, but six if you minus a year. So. Minus my breaks from D&D and whatnot. Yep. Yeah. Well, this is our episode where we go back and describe one of our campaigns from well, our three five days. Start to, because this will be a mini-series of its own. This campaign is the first that we started and completed. Yep. And as such, it went for a good long while. We have part one out of three today. Uh, as to be decided if more parts are needed later, but potentially. Likely. Because this was a multi-year campaign. Yep, multi-year, had a couple hiatuses. There were some interspersed games throughout this. Well, some characters could use a part themselves from this campaign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this was our first game uh, that I ran entirely in 3-5. This was our third campaign that we started running, though. Yep, third overall. This was the one that I really delved into planning with you. Yep. Because I'd started with our previous one. And Trav, it was your first time playing in general. Yes, it was. Yeah. We met Travis, well, Andrew met Travis first through a class they were taking together, and then their class was right next to mine, so. Yeah, I saw him filling out a D&D character sheet when we were supposed to be working on homework. Um <laughs> I mean, I wasn't working on homework either, because I was watching him put a character sheet. Travis <laughs> and, was nosy. And yes, I was nosy. I was very nosy, and that's how you got stuck with me. Yeah. Yep. You you saw me filling out the character sheets for the villains of the camp. I did. <laughs> yep. I indeed did. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, uh, this campaign, as we'll discuss... Um, Hardly had any of the people from the previous campaign. Yeah, not many, and those that were around didn't last very long. No, this game mostly had a new roster of friends. Um, but, you know, I grew the group, and this group we held on to for quite a while. Bunch yeah. of barnacles. Yeah, same group stuck together for a few years, you know. Breaks here and there for various reasons, but... We stuck together to finish this game, at least. <laughs> and speaking of the group, why don't we start off by describing who the hell the party was, as best we can remember, because this was years and years ago. Yeah, this game started in the fall of 2015, folks. So, we're looking at over five years. Yep. Well, why don't we start with, uh... Your characters, then. I was playing the Bard Natalia. She was a, a dancer. So, you know, performance um, and dancing and everything. And um, she was like a... I kind of based her off of both Poison Ivy and her looks, but also like a, a Middle Eastern-esque, like, 
like think like jasmine and looks too like as far as her wardrobe went but the jewelry was definitely middle eastern it was like if you dressed ariel in jasmine's clothes I, I don't know how else they describe it these days but yeah it's she was basically ariel cosplaying as jasmine oh, pretty spot on using the traditional ribbon sword yeah that you are known to favor yep she's the only one of the emile family not to do so uh you know luthien's family but foreshadowing for later <laughs> and travis yeah so um i played the whisper gnome ranger fash um fash was an alcoholic he... Which we'll get into that, I'm sure, and some of the antics that came as of that. Oh, boy. Um, but, truth be told, I don't really remember what Fash looked like pre-baldness. I just know he's a... Well, I remember he's, he's a dark-skinned little gnome who is bald as a rock right now. I know he had a beard. I tried to keep the beard. I don't remember what his hair color was, though. I think it was just black, to be honest. I think, I think so, because so. if he was dark skinned, yeah, black or brown would make the most sense. But yeah, I just remember him as um bald. He was just a little potato head. <laughs> he couldn't help it. And this was a campaign you didn't play a character in. No, for once I did not. Well, there were enough zoo animals, though. <laughs> and I didn't get much better. No. Uh, another starting party member, we had Richter. Oh. Yep. Richter Cranel. He was played by Travis's current college roommate at the time. And oh boy, did I have a little too much fun helping him come up with that character. <laughs> yep, this, like, that was also Mike's first time playing D&D. Yep, and he started off by playing the Hexblade. And then later multi-classing into cleric, of all things, and uh, demon binder or something like that. Yeah, and Richter's personality was very Jiraiya-inspired. Mm-hmm. And I believe his physicality was inspired by Bell Crinnell. Yeah, Bell yeah. Crinnell from, uh, what's it called? Is it wrong um, to try pick, to pick up yeah. girls in the dungeon? Yeah. Dang, I forget how old that show was. For that to be the case. Mm-hmm. And then we had, um... We had Roland. Yep. Nick's wizard. Yep. The first of many wizards that Nick would play with us. Yep. Our, uh, our friend Nick was really big into spellcasters, particularly of the arcane variety, whenever he could. And Roland was the... Almost the epitome, as I recall, of the, uh... The three five support wizard. Yep. Like the battlefield control Didn't support he use a great buffing. Sword? Yeah, I think so. I think he was focus. like very Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He used a particular trick to like make it his item familiar yeah. or something. This guy was our contingent contingency guy. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Yeah, Roland knew how to save the day though. He did. He did. Uh, and then we have Luthildor, who I have been recently mistaking a current character you for. You didn't last time, though. I didn't last time. Poor Luthgar. Sorry, Jack. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's the Luth that gets me. Luthildor was a uh, elven paladin scion multi-class. Yep. Wasn't he also um, vampiric? No, no, he wasn't. I think he might have become so after a while, I think but he, he didn't did. start that way. When yeah. he came back, he had gotten rid of it. was our orc dude. It was the vampire. Oh, that's right. It was yep. Baron's uh, Craig. character. Craig? Krieg. Baron's orc vampire Krieg. Yep, and he turned Luthildor. Yep. As per Luthildor's request. Yep. Krieg, Luthildor, and then... Uh, Kylie. Kylie played uh, a forest gnome ranger, so we had two gnomish rangers. I do not remember her name, unfortunately. I don't either, but they were previous players from our past campaign the year before. Mm-hmm. And I know you two started having a bit of a rapport going on being the two gnomish rangers. Yeah. A little bit. A little I, bit. I did debate pulling uh, the cloak off our paladin a few times in broad daylight. <laughs> That's fair. Then we had Tyr. Yep. Who was a complete and utter ripoff of Tyriel from Diablo 3. Yep. Which... Which we did not know at the time. No, none of us had no. really pl- hadn't touched well, that. He, he said... Zach told us that the character was going to be inspired by Inspired, but it was a straight rip-off. Yeah, once we realized later. Like, years later, when I played Diablo 3, finally, and, like, I was going through quite literally, like, I have never seen such a blatant, oh, yeah, it's inspired, air heavy air quotes there. Yeah, because the other guy that's known for that would blatantly say, I'm yeah. taking this from yeah. so-and-so. Yeah. So, but, yeah. But, like, everyone's ripped that really cool concept once or twice. Mm-hmm. But, like, to to blatantly be like, oh, yeah, I'm doing something mostly original. And no, no, it was not. Yeah. He was one of the first to start using some Pathfinder content, and I believe the class of tier was actually the Inquisitor. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, because we had him that was more familiar with Pathfinder, and Nick was more familiar with 5th edition, which was just starting to get traction. Yep, because it was around the time that was coming out. Yep. And then finally, we had Alec, who was played by our friend Stephanie. Yep. Um, Alec was a troublemaking... Thief. Yeah. Yeah. Utter klepto, anything shiny, couldn't resist, rolled the shittiest stats ever and decided to keep them despite oh, my it, urging story. If you would have allowed it, they, uh, the character would have had an intelligence of two. Because I remember you yelling that they can't have, the, the character can't have an intelligence of a rabbit. Nope, gotta have an int score of three or higher to even be considered humanoid. Yep, I remember that discussion heavily because... He would have let it. He would have done it. Yeah. How was he smart enough to steal from me in my sleep again? I don't know how Alec did it, but he did it. He rolled high on his checks. I... And I'm an alcoholic at this point in the campaign. Yeah, you were paying stuff attention. did it was... Uh... I think, I think she did re-roll her int at some point or something. Yeah, something got re-rolled. Or like, I'm pretty sure it did go up from three. Well, also we had an items up the, up the nose in that campaign. But anyway, though. Yeah, that was the party. Well, the beginning party anyway. Yep. Because 
if you've been paying attention, we like to add people and detract I, people. I die a lot. Yeah, you'll learn that too. Um, for shat- I mean, they've heard. <laughs> yeah, they have, but now they get to hear it from the source of Travis dies a lot. And that's just the trend. That's just my luck. Sorry. No, you're not. No, I'm not. <laughs> it's not always my fault either. No, but it's usually your table. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, I actually would say towards the end, I feel like I was dying way more at Jack's table than Drew's. Like towards the end of our multi-DM fiascos going on. Yeah. Because wasn't at Jack's table that Travis like murdered you? So, yeah. Yeah. We had an asshole who we've talked about before, uh, the big Travis, who, you know, after a while just utterly delighted in murdering you. <laughs> How many times did you die in that one Starfinder one shot? Um, three. Three, yeah, three. Your first character died. Your backup character died. And then we put your backup brain in, in a, a sex doll. In, yeah, in a, in a, and I died put, too. You guys put my backup spot. brain in a robotic sex doll. Yeah, yeah. But, and then the backup, the backup died. Because we're an android. Yeah. Yeah. The, ba- the backup to the backup to the backup died. What what was what would the next backup be? Were we gonna put me in the crane? <laughs> Don't tempt me. <laughs> no, nah, man. At that point, say. it's just like the head jars in Futurama. Oh God. So what happened after we built our whack job party, though? Well, the party started off um, in one of the northernmost cities, or not even really a full city, but a a, a large town. Yeah. Uh, called Frostmarch, and it was literally just an off-brand representation of White Run, which is in it of itself, you know, an off-brand representation of Edoras. So, so the off-brand to the off-brand to the real thing. Yeah, I, I even had like a Jarl Bulgriff type dude be the uh, the leader of the town, the uh, the Baron. If I recall, so we were basically in an Aldi brand of the Walmart brand to the main brand. Mm, good kind to of. know. We were in off-brand Skyrim. <laughs> yeah. I figured it would be easy for everyone to understand. Yep. Because enough people have played it by that point. Well, yeah. It was so popular. For like four years. Yeah. I had only started playing that game at that point. And then there was the Thomas the Tank Engine mod that was really popular at the time. I remember that. Yep. Uh, but he had a complaint of creatures and dark rituals yep. being performed in a nearby uh, abandoned tomb uh, that had, you know, long since sunk beneath the earth and shit like that. You yeah. know, classic D and D. Yeah. And so, and I wanted to make it dynamic too, so that's why there were a couple additional entrances. There was like the the remnants of an old well or chimney that went yeah, down into it. Yeah, it wasn't a one entrance maze. It was a multi Oh, I remember that well. Because we cheesed the anise hag from that well. Yep. Yeah, because I put that hag in there. Yep, because this is the, the first time that you were really involved in like picking monsters and no, setting them up. No, I, I was in the last one too, because I made that forest map for the past one. Because Anthony true, used those true. maps too. Yeah. This Between... is where it really started to show. Yeah. Particularly in some of your monster preferences. Well, yeah, because the and hags your... were really popular as second 
go wrong. This is when I was really doing the treasure too, because you printed me the that booklet out, and for this campaign. Yep. So basically, the deal was that the the Baron needed the party to check this place out, find out what was in there, kill it, you know, get rid of it, make it stop messing with his town. And then, you know, he might be able to put in a word with the uh, the adventurer city of Darum, which had cropped up about 50 years back. And uh, effectively get them a spot there. So it was a recruitment mission. And the party went. Uh, they were absent, some of their members, because at the time, I know, see... Yeah. Our friend Ian, who didn't even get his character in for a while, um, and Kylie were all in band. This is and the you first. All had band that night. This is because nobody was available until that evening to play. This is the first and the only time I have ever missed the very first session of a campaign, and I planned most of this map. I planned like 75% of this map. Yep. I picked out... Wait, so I can blame you for getting choked out like a little bitch. <laughs> yep. Well, you're the bitch, so <laughs> it's still your fault that it happened, dumbass. <laughs> it's not my fault. Yeah. Don't split the party. Yeah, that was your, that was your first and one of the few lessons in splitting the party. That is the first and last time I've, I have... Uh, been for splitting the party. Well, you yeah. gotta learn somehow. And at the end of a choker's tentacle, <laughs> in a bad way. Yeah. <laughs> Beginner's dumb luck, though, I suppose. Mm, hey, I'm well. the reason why y'all had, like, the... We had the lantern for a pet dog, though, for a while there. And yep. then kind of forgot about it and left it somewhere and had toot-toot! Yeah, toot-toot. Yeah, partway through the dungeon, they encountered a lantern archon that was trying to blast its way through some violet fungus. Yeah, because I want some helpful uh, encounters as well, because those things are lawful good. Yeah. Uh, they also encountered a group of uh, kobolds, and rather than murdering them all, decided to befriend their leader. Yeah. Their leader... I, I was kind of riffing off the Dresden files at this point, so I took the kobold and gave him the personality... Of the, kind of. Of the little fairy. Of Toot Toot Minimus, the uh, the dewdrop fairy that uh, Harry Dresden spends a lot of time with. Um, and Tyr ended up... Giving him a falchion. Yeah, he was handed a falchion, and this particular kobold was strong enough to one-hand a medium-sized falchion. Because uh, I wanted to give him a distinctive characteristic. Yep. So, remind me the size of um, kobolds again. They're like the they're size. They're small. They're like a toddler. Oh, uh, they're about the size of uh, a young child. Yeah. Yeah. So like a preschooler, kindergartner, or something. Pretty much. Usually no taller than three feet. Yeah. Yeah. So think a three foot child with a a massive sword. And jacked, just utterly. Yeah. Like and completely that, ripped. And that's Tutu, our little buddy. <laughs> he was the uh, campaign NPC. Yeah, he was the 
the NPC that everyone was raving about the whole time. Yep. Um, and he and his tribe... Ended up working with Tyr for quite a while there. Yeah, they became the Inquisition for a little bit. Uh, and that is where the, uh, the chant comes from that everyone came to love, making me do the little dance to. <laughs> Uh, uh, the way that they would answer Tyr's cries of justice was basically they just added it onto their already present uh, tribe dance. So it'd go, Justice! Waka 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 waka! Waka 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 waka! 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 But that would be me jumping up and down in like almost a jumping jack formation, but like shaking a spear over my head. Yep. And then, uh, and then at the end, I would just pass it between my legs or, and bring it back up. Or there were the kobolds that en- entered over to the dark side and were after Richter. Research! Waka waka waka! Yep. Yep. They were and the... Uh, they were the peeping toms. Yeah, they were the befouled ones. Yep. If anyone knows Jiraiya's personality, they know what research means. Don't yeah. hide in the drapes. Seeketh, not shelter within the no, drapes. No, no, no. Seeketh, yeah, yeah, you got it, actually. <laughs> Seeketh not shelter within the drapes, for thine lover's husband shall find you. <laughs> yep, because your feet stick out from under the curtains. Yep. Also, wasn't there the one guy that, like, hid in the wardrobe or something? That was one of the options. That's right. It was when either he was in the setting drapes. setting up his uh, escapades. Yeah, he was going to either hide in the closet or in the drapes. I set him up a few options, and he rolled for it. Nice. So you could argue that actually typing out those disgusting novels was my first, like, little introduction to DMing. Yeah. Yeah. You have a point. Just a little taste. <laughs> Just a little taste. Uh, but when the party reached the end of that dungeon, they reached basically what my goal was for the campaign, which is that I wanted an evil party going against the good party, mm-hmm. and I thought it would be fun and interesting for them to have like multiple run-ins over the course of the campaign. Yeah. So, okay, so these were handed to us time and time again. Yeah, so these were effectively Andrew's characters for the whole campaign. Yeah, pretty much. And they were only like level 5, I think, yeah. at this point, but everyone in the game was level 1. Yeah. So, this was my first or second time at this point now starting at level 1. Yep. And it was a true ass beating because we had Excuse me. Uh, we had a another forest gnome, actually, uh, who is a Shadowcraft mage build, focused specialist illusionist. And... Martin, right? Yep. Martin. Yeah. Fuck Martin. <laughs> yeah, fuck Martin. Can I say that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. We curse. It's yeah. fine. We, it's got the little E on it. Uh, and then we have Silas, who was a sword sage. And he was specifically going to be, like, he was meant to be kind of a counter to uh, Natalia, actually, because Natalia was going to be building with Bard and Warblade up to a... Phoenix. Jade Phoenix Mage. Yeah. That prestige class. Yeah, it was my first time actually building 
or something. Yep, tell him a battle. Yeah. Loved it. <laughs> Never doing that again, though. That was, <laughs> that was hard to keep up with that formula. Uh, and then we had Charity, who actually used to be a cleric from Darum herself, which yep. is why she had access to a rifle, uh, because firearms were available in Darum. Yep. Um, but yeah, evil cleric. A lot of the classics for that, you know. When you think about it, Darum was our original Whitestone because of that. Yep. Uh, and then you had Jurgen Faithhammer, who was a Goliath. Uh, Crusader, and by his last name slash title, you can probably tell that he had a thing for sacking churches yeah. of benevolent deities. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, and they were all worshippers of uh, good old Vecna the Whispered One. Yeah, because why not? <laughs> uh, the party managed to put a like a minor dent, you know, ruffle their feathers, pretty much. Yeah, we, I mean, as a party, like... We managed to stay alive. That's what we did there. Yeah. You guys stayed alive. But, yep. like, we weren't, as a party, we weren't doing much together yet. Like, nobody... Because a lot of us had just met in real life. So, like, nobody was cohesive whatsoever. No, you had me off in one corner of the room popping off arrows that were... And completely open. Yeah. You had one, you had the tanks not even like forming up right. It was, it was a, it was a bad time to it be was, player a, character. The early times party. were not the great times. It was a rookie party, but you guys did manage to pull it together pretty well, pretty quickly, despite the fact that most of you hadn't played before. Yeah, and even for those of us that had played before, it was. You know, new characters are always hard to figure out at first. Yeah, always true. But with that, you guys did manage to convince that party that it, they might as well get the hell out of there because they already had what they came for, and yeah, it was as good a time as any to leave. They'd just been using it as a base of operations for a while, so why not get the fuck out? Yeah. Move on to the next part of the plan. And boy, did they move to a nice location. Yeah. But that's for another time. Uh, after that, uh, as I recall, you guys went back, got your reward. Mm-hmm. And Travis says, you were so kind as to remind me uh, just a little bit ago. You were recruited by Veda. Uh to go to Darum. Yeah. Veda, so brief bit of history. When we first wanted to make a second series of characters during the ending of the Team Chaos era in school and just after high school, yeah. we started making a second run of characters who uh, we ended up deciding would, for the most part, be following uh, Sierra's character, Sebastian, who is Luthien's younger brother. Yeah. Uh, just because he was the charismatic one. And, uh... Well, Veda was one of those people. Yep, he was one of our friend Sean's many characters. Because Andrew and Sean at the time were playing, like, two to three characters just to kind of cycle through. But also, it was just the three of us, and we wanted to still feel like we had an actual party. 
Yeah, plus we enjoyed experimenting with characters because we hadn't been able to do it a whole lot. Yeah. And that was kind of how the reveal came out, that what we'd planned on was that Sebastian and his crew had had, you know, a few years of adventuring between them. Because those characters never really got to be played, we decided to make them part of the lore. Yep. And we effectively did a time skip in World. So. They. That Darum could have been around for a while. Yep, they founded the city. Of course, it started with the Red Dragon's Fire, that inn, the off brand of uh, the Red Dragon Inn. Yep. And that and, franchise. Yep, and the reason the city had been founded in the first place is because Sebastian, as a drow, was ruthlessly targeted. Once he became famous, especially in a very drizzed fashion, because I had begun looking into that character. Yep, reading you those were books. reading those books at the time. And so there were a lot of analogs there. Yep. Um, but the city is directly where the drows were living. Yes, the the city of Darum was built over top of the tunnel systems that led up from the Vault of the Drow in my world. Um, yep, and the drow, you know, either reformed or didn't however they wanted to live their lives, you know. Yeah, effectively, Sebastian and his crew eventually decided that they were done fucking around with Lolth. And they got together Team Chaos, they got together every ally that they could, and Basically they Basically MCU style. Very much so. Very Infinity War. Very Endgame. Uh, they stormed the demon web pits, laid waste to them, and eventually, uh, while Sebastian's friends had Lolth pinned on their blades, uh, he beheaded her. Yep. And that is how all of them gained a fragment of her divine spark. Yeah. And became very minor divinity themselves. Yeah. And then they founded the city of Darum uh, in order to effectively keep a lid on the Vault of the Drow and work on reforming them after Lolth's death. Yeah. And then it eventually became a city of adventurers because... It's like our world's, you know, New York or something. Like that kind of metropolis. Yeah, basically. Everybody of every color, species, whatever's there. And it's a nice little port town, too, so, you know, it's got the water. Yep. This is actually a city my mom even helped um, form. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, because we... Uh... We started drawing the map out the summer before this campaign was to start, right on your living room floor. Yeah, we really tried to plan this since we knew we'd be pitching it to new folks. Yep, it was a port city with a big barracks near the uh, the coast, had a hefty navy, good naval trade. Man, that must have been an easy sell. The walls <laughs> were huge. Uh, there was magic up the wazoo there, there was an industrial section in the middle of the city because there was really no waste or smoke because they ran it off of, uh, 
yep. steam power. And there's the halfling suburb, as we called it, like, just north of the whole city. Yeah, just outside the actual walls themselves, there was the farmland, which was uh, primarily halfling run. Yeah, we call that the suburbs. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, and then there was the, the temple district. There was a big Central Park-esque area in there. There was yeah. uh, a couple of cultural districts, like the the elven... Uh, area which is mostly tree homes yeah and we had like the whole uh bard college and theater district and stuff yeah there was a bard college there were a couple uh monasteries in the temple district as well yeah we really wanted it to be like the people city like everybody could really be there yeah it was very much a it was effectively very much the water deep of the world yeah Uh, and the party was escorted there by Veda, who was effectively a powerful sorcerer who liked to experiment a lot with magic and use a lot of meta magic to make interesting effects. Like, effectively, we would say that if he if he maximized and empowered a fire spell, he was condensing it down into a laser or something like that. This guy liked to cause trouble. Is what he did. Yeah, he was chaotic neutral. He he didn't have qualms about a lot of things. Yeah, Travis found out the hard way. Yes, I did. Yep. Yeah, our first... The party's first night in the city, they were put up at the Red Dragon's fire and set to have an audience with the king in the morning. And that went well. Uh-huh. Yeah, considering, you know, first audience with the king... Alec tried stealing the giant emerald out of the floor. And didn't he steal the nails out of the room that night? Yes, that is the night he stole all no. the nails out of the boards in the room. That was at the Red Dragon Inn, I thought that No, happened. that was the fire. Oh. That was that night. Some reason I thought that happened at the uh, Red Dragon's Inn, because I also remember Jack Frost like scaring around on the ceiling. Mm, that was another time. No, I don't know. There's a lot of times. Oh, I remember that. That was that later Team Chaos one That was a Christmas where, special. Where Stephanie was around. Yeah. That was the Christmas special. Might have done it then, too, yeah. I know he crawled, or the Jack was crawling around on the ceiling in the Christmas special. That's what I know. I don't know. I think, I think it was pretty normal for that specific character, though, to just new room. I'm going to steal the nails. Yeah, anything shiny, Alec went after it. Yeah. So. Including the massive polished emerald in the floor of the throne room. Yeah, I was kind of inspired by Isidar Mithrim from Aragon in the dwarven city of Tronchine. Yeah, but um, Luthien being um, Sebastian's, like, advisor, you know, with her massive mending and repairing spells and everything, Sebastian's like, no, no, we'll leave this as a reminder of, you know, good luck with that. Yeah, Sebastian took it very well when Alec, in the middle of the first audience, just took out a set of tools and started trying to pry the gigantic emerald out of the middle of the floor. He thought it was funny. Yeah, the place was opulent as fuck for no reason at all, but... <laughs> I mean... Why not? Well, I mean, being a male drow and everything, you know, you don't... Even though Sebastian was from a noble house down there, like... As a noble drow, you don't really get to enjoy that kind of stuff. Not as a male. Oh, so like being up top and everything, and you know, he's a he, you know, turned into a nice little tan boy and everything. Like he, 
you know, he spiffed himself out. He lived as opulent as he could because, well, he could. Yeah. Nobody could tell him no anymore. It's like the rags to riches, you know. It's like a lot, you know, Hollywood types, you know, they grew up with nothing and as soon as they get the money, they go all out. Yep. Suffice to say, Sebastian was fairly impressed with the party and also kind of concerned about the news they brought of this dark group of folks. Yeah. And he decided to give them a job. Yeah, don't ask Took an immediate liking to Natalia. Yeah, that was the beginning of their story. (laughs) Richter, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) You guys will get that in a few parts. Yep. Uh... So, the party started doing uh, tasks here and there for the city and for the king. Yep, uh, the just first of which, throwing little pouches of money here and there. Yeah. You a sugar daddy. Yeah, their first thing was to go and rescue uh, the one of the outlying halfling villages yep. was assaulted. I do not recall by who, but I know one of them was a mage with a staff of fire, I think. I'm not going to lie, I think I missed this session. I, no, you were there for it. It's it was good. just, I think, maybe one of the least memorable. Yeah. I'd, for whatever reason. I honestly can't say I remember it, but also, like, I know... There were quite a few sessions in these early months that I was missing because you guys would play when I had, um... Banned. Well, not banned, but KKSI events. Because this campaign was running when I was becoming a brother. And you guys would play when I would be doing, like, uh, degrees and stuff. And, um, education things. Well, I know that was... I think the first thing that we had to do. I think it might have actually been other halflings as well. I think so. I mean, because, I mean, halflings do fight each other. Yeah. So if two halves are fighting each other, does that make them a holing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Let's not talk about holing when we have Richter in the conversation as well. Fair enough. I mean, that sounds like about the perfect time to talk about it. <laughs> uh. Uh, and then there was another mission, because one of my original ideas for the city had been for it to be like a holy place blessed by all the gods and yeah. have very like Camelot, King Arthur vibes. Yeah. And this was before Sierra had brought the idea up to me to have Sebastian and that crew be a I part f- of it and to actually set it on Orith. I fought him for the entire summer for it to be Sebastian. You fought me for like two days. And then we discussed it the rest of the summer. You still tried to backtrack a few times over the summer, though. Uh, so there was uh, effectively a Holy Grail uh, equivalent. Uh, there's the, the cup and talisman of a name that I can't recall. Uh, were among the list of D&D artifacts that I got off of Wikipedia. 
the talisman Oh, it's right there for me. It was like an A name, and I'm pretty sure it was vaguely like Middle Eastern in origin. I don't know what. As I recall. The only thing I can think is uh, Agamemnon. Agamemnon? Yeah! Agamemnon! That's all I remember! <laughs> because of how bad that meme was between the three of us and Mike for a oh, while there. No. Wasn't Agamemnon uh, Silva and Cronin's teacher? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Agamemnon. Oh, but if we're talking about memes that started in our group, Drow Lives Matter. <laughs> Because oh, of yeah, Sebastian that, that the really King. <coughs> yeah, because we were living in the Drow City and the Drow King, and yeah. Yeah. We won't go too far into that. We talked about making t shirts for that. Yeah, we <laughs> did. Damn it. So, um. They're, yeah. They're staring out our problems. Uh, you guys had a mission from Sebastian to protect the, the Holy Grail esque thing. Yep. During a party. I do remember that. Where a bunch of... Because Spash hid in the cello case. Mm Mm-hmm. He was in the cello case. Yeah, because it was Haji's cello. Yep, and uh, a character of mine uh, from the second generation who was inspired by Haji from Blood Plus, and I effectively straight ripped him. Yep. So there but you I go. remember him. I remember Fash getting drunk in the cello case. And... He wasn't drunk in the cello case. Oh, he wasn't. No, no, no. He was pissed that he couldn't get drunk in the cello case. That's what it was. Yeah. He's always drunk. Yeah. Except for when he's stuck in a cello case. I remember <laughs> that. I re- oh, and it, it only gets better from there. But I'll let Drew keep going for the time. Oh, God. Yeah, the, there was a group of thieves that were supposed to try to steal it, and then it turned out at the end, when you guys managed to defend it, that it was actually a training exercise for you guys and for the thieves, who are part of the Thieves' Guild, that who Arvinder. are official in the city, who are made by my other character, Arvinder, from then, the second generation, and one of the actual, like, deific members yeah, of he Sebastian's was, crew. He was the character of Andrews that really made a name for himself, but yeah. Um, that's the character I'll be playing once again in the 5e remake. Yeah. <laughs> this campaign, um, like we said before, it was really, like, Sebastian and his crew running the show, like, it was really the Sebastian and crew, and then the younglings. Like we tried yeah, they, to bring they up were the quest givers. Yeah, we tried to bring up everybody from that campaign that didn't get to see any light originally. Really. Yeah, and then occasionally we'd have an appearance by a member of Team Chaos in there. To... Well, yeah, because you gotta have well. Or perhaps... shit, even going back further. Sometimes we had some of your dad's peeps show up. Yep. yep. After a while, like that Black became a thing uh, I tried Rose to do. showed up, or was it Blackthorn? Black, Black Rose. Black Rose showed up. Black Rose. Wait a minute. That's who it was. Was it? Bla- that's right. Black it wasn't Rose. Beta. It Black was Black Rose. Rose grabbed yeah, us and introduced Black us Rose to Black Rose picked us all out on the train. You're right. That's who it was. Damn it. Well, you're Backtrack. welcome. I rem- I reminded you either way, so you're welcome. Yes. Yeah. But still led you to your baldness. Yeah, it's still, <laughs> all roads lead to Veda. All roads lead to irradiation. Yeah. Yes. Fash ended up uh, getting tested on by Veda very briefly. He was testing a gigantic crystalline uh, thing. Array. 
Yeah, it was a, a big crystal array that was effectively meant to focus itself into a, a, a nuke spell. Yeah. And he was irradiated by the test. So, sterilized and, hair. and hairless. Yep. We also didn't get much choice about being in that test. No, not no. really. You were pushed. <laughs> no, I put, yeah, like, literally pushed into the device. There was no, there was no consent form. There was no spoken. There was no life insurance. Spoken. No consent forms. Nope. It was there was no spe- <laughs> there was even spoken consent. There was no, just- there was zero consent about. <laughs> yeah, it was. All right, you're going in. There wasn't it, even, it there was Veda asking for a test was- subject and me getting thrown under the bus. Yeah, mostly by Richter, I think. Because was- Mike loved the fuck with you. There was no lube in this for you. Yeah, nope. you you you've let a lot you- of players fuck with my characters in the <laughs> repeatedly. <laughs> be fair, even when Andrew tried to step in when it came to you and Mike, you guys just fought over him. Okay, I was very justified with the butternut fly net holding. <laughs> hey, to be fair, I'm the one that came up with that. Mike just supported you shouldn't have. Hey, you is sure that... if you did, you shouldn't have told him about it. Well, we'll save that for part two when Glendor comes up. Yeah. God. But foreshadowing of all the poor things that happened to poor Travis. Wow. Suffice it to say, though, up to this point, there had not been a great deal of combat challenges for the party, and I was still getting used to the system, so I decided to try to up my game a little bit. And that's when you guys had to go and defend Hightower from uh, a con- like a raiding contingent from uh, the god Hextor. I remember these fucks. Yeah, because yeah, there were some devils, and then there were three martial adepts. A I rem- sword sage, a warblade, and a crusader. Yeah, be- I remember our tanks it- being mad. I was up on the roof the whole time. Yeah, cause you, because you you threatened range- to run away! Well, okay, no offense, but when you see- when somebody who met a- his party three days ago sees them dropping like flies, you yeah. tell me you aren't going to think, oh, I- maybe I should run away, and I didn't. Hey, this is my one and big, really, only time that I metagamed. Yeah. Hey, man, we all have our moments. Yeah, it had been more than three days by this point. You guys have been together for at least a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah, because two weeks really makes a difference. I said at least. And one of you guys robbed me blind. Oh, yeah, I'll While I was passed out in the bar. So, um, there was no love lost on that party by Fash. <laughs> yeah. And the rest of the party just let it slide. Let's just put that out there. <laughs> there was no love lost on you guys by Fash. Well, I mean, you knew he was a klepto. You passed so drunk in front of him. I was an alcoholic, and I did not know he was a klepto when I said I was an alcoholic. <laughs> He tried to steal the freaking thing in front of your eyes. The, the, oh, the even, that's a club to have ever seen. Over Fash's greatest alcoholic move. Well, not yet. Oh, During, you referring to the flask? No, I was referring to when he could have gone for the quest objective, the sacred cup, let's just call it. Oh, yeah. And instead he went for the platter of booze because he'd been stuck in the cello <laughs> case dry for the past hour. Oh, yeah! <laughs> that's right! Oh, God. Yeah, you had your priorities. Fast. <laughs> yeah, I rolled for it. I, I did a high or low. Yep. Well, it's 
some reason, I thought some like dangles from like the chandelier to another thing, but uh, I don't. Remember. I think that might have been something else. Uh, the rogues were dangling from. The That's chandelier right. To I try knew... to come down on like rope lines and grab the coat. I knew somebody was. I just didn't think it was any of us because we weren't those kind of characters. But I mean, Fesh got been hanging drunk for all I know too. Also, I'm pretty sure at some point you did a ribbon dance during that. I did because I was trying, you know, bard party. <laughs> what better thing am I gonna do? What better cover? Yeah, in the in the defend high tower section, we had the party Luthien. had half their numbers get dropped. Well, we had Luthien and Jack with us too, and Corn. Yeah, and Corn. Yeah, Team Chaos was there, and we still were getting at least the weaker members were still getting dropped because Team Chaos was holding very far back. Because yeah, we weren't trying to abuse their power at the time. Well, also they wanted to test you guys themselves. It would, dang, they were going to let you die, die. At least not permanently, because they had the means to bring you back. Yeah. But yeah, they were they were just, you know, taking a pot shot here and there, kill a mook, drag him into the woods. <gasps> oh, I had my rifle axe at this point. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yep. And then this fight is also what gave you the long boner. Oh, the long boner! When you took the femur from the bone devil. Um, I'm pretty sure I took its spines, actually. You took a bone from a bone devil and made a bow out of it. All I remember is I drew this one. This is one of those weapons I actually did art for. Yeah. Because it was the spines overlapping each other, making the recurve limbs. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. That's the only reason I know that for a fact, because that's one of the few I've actually Also, made this is a big reality. side note, but this is the campaign that had, like, the most, uh... Staging changes, because we started in like a a small study room in the fucking mm. library on campus. No, we started in uh, the study room no. in my hall. No, the very first session was in the that, library. Yeah, it was oh, on that first yeah, floor yeah. study room. We started. Um, it was on Ravenloft in your hall. Yeah. Yeah, but the second session of Darum was in my. When hall. you go into flight, there's those study rooms. And on the left, though, in that, like, weird hallway, mm-hmm. we were in one of the ones on the right. I, I do remember now. Yeah. Yeah, that was where and the then, first one was. The second one was at the first, my dorm. Yeah, the next few were in your dorm. Just, like, the next one, maybe No, we two. did two or, we did at least two or three in there. And then everybody and then got tired that. of it. Because you were the only one besides Stephanie and Zach that lived on... It that was side on, of campus. Yeah. You guys only lived on that. Everybody else had to come from the other side. See, that never bothered me. Well, you guys lived close enough, too, though. Because you guys were just barely across the street. Well, even if I hadn't further, you go to the DM. You want to play D&D and you're not capable of DMing and you can't. Or you don't want a DM because you're lazy, you go to the DM. The, ones the that... DM is taking time out there today to prep entertainment for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. You go to them. The ones yeah. that had the furthest to go were Ian, Kylie, and Anthony because they actually lived off campus. Yep. Although, one also, one caveat is if someone else is hosting because the DM doesn't want to, or doesn't have the ability to. Either way, you go where you need to go. Yeah, you go, yeah. you go, people are taking time out of their days to arrange this stuff. Yep, they're welcoming you into your house. Be respectful. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just, I just thought about that. I was like, we 
really moved around a lot. But then once we got that one room yeah, on we the... we got the one study room. Which I spent... Room, meeting room. I spent all Sunday in that dang room. From the time the library opened until pretty much the library closed because that's where my KK side meetings were too. Yep, except for dinner. Yeah, we would... effectively Sunday would be... We got up, we got breakfast, we hung out a little bit, had yeah. lunch, yeah. went to D&D at the library, and played until it was time to get dinner, and then you had to go back for KK's eye. Yeah, I'd be stuck in the same dang room. For like... Six hours, pretty much. Or more. Yeah, depending on how... Because after KK's eye meetings, I'd even have like, um... Because didn't we start at like noon? Yeah, because that's when the library opened on Sundays. But sometimes after, because I would have like um, education for becoming a a potential member and everything. I had to think because we don't use pledge and stuff. I had to think about the actual uh, terminology. Yeah, been a minute since I used it. Wow. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. These tangents are all part of it. Uh, during the mission to defend Hightower, while the party was dropping like flies and people were getting their asses ganked left and right, and Team Chaos was holding back so that they didn't have to, you know, step on the current party's toes. Andrew got mad at me. I did because someone decided to abuse her relationship with a deity... Yeah. It made sense at the time. Effectively, so Sebastian and Natalia had been getting very they tight said, over yeah. the course of the adventuring, like the time yeah. they'd been working together. It, <laughs> yeah, tight is one word for it. You really picked up bad word, Andrew. I mean, they were they, they became very close. Yeah, they I started mean, like a, a relationship. Well, they were just dating. They weren't like romantic or anything. Quite yeah, really. It was just, you know, seeing each other or whatever. I don't know how to put it. We didn't well, really pay attention to the romance too much. Well, either way, he liked her enough that when you ran into danger and got killed on purpose, he immediately teleported to the vicinity, exploded everything in dark blue flame. And then resurrected everybody that died. Yep. So, I got what I wanted out of it. Yep. And I got yelled at by the party for doing my job as an archer. Yeah. And then I got yelled at for days on end for what I uh, Low key, though. Low key. Out of game, I actually have zero issues. I don't think she met a game at all there, personally. Because she was just utilizing in-game information and relationships she had built with her character. Yeah, I have less issues with... Like, I'll put it this way as a DM from here. One time? Okay, yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I never did it after that. That's because Drew was like, never again. No, Andrew Andrew was mad. He was, he was pissed for months. You were so... You did bring that up for months. I did. I yeah. Did. I do one thing... One time! Well, here's the other thing, too. I did stop bringing it up after a while, and then you guys kept bringing it up because you thought I was still fucking mad. Well... And then I just look at you like, "Mm mm-hmm. 
Well, I mean, to be fair, you are the boy made out of salt, after all. Yes, I am a salt elemental. So This is true. And also, I mean... I salt the fries at McDonald's by standing near them. You have a ten-foot passive radius of saltiness. <laughs> yep. You got crackers? Bring them to me. Thirst trap. Yeah, you'll be thirsty after you spend some time standing near me after. Have some freaking cop A salt elemental would be a terrifying monster in D&D. They exist in D&D. Yeah. I need to do some research. The, the para-elemental plane of salt. My salt elemental brings the deer to the yard. Oh, God. Dude, they just, like, suck the moisture out of you just by being near you. Yeah. That's why I said thirst trap. Because they literally are. Remember that uh, desiccating enchant for weapons in 3.5? Oh, my God. A D6 basically untyped damage. Yeah. I remember that type of damage because Mirden had it on his glaive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That was, that was my, uh, that was the burden I bore for the whole Darum campaign that was Andrew being mad at me for well, we using all, my we connections. We were all trying to figure out how to ride the line between, like, using our resources and what was too much and what would interfere with the story. It was a big learning experience. All of Darum was a gigantic learning experience. Well, this was once our... again, it was our first time in one edition, the whole game. Yeah, who'd heard of that? And trying to obey the actual rules of the game, which is, before that, I, I don't know. What rules? Whose yeah. rules? I don't know rules. What are rules again? <laughs> yeah, this was the first time we actually really, uh, well, we had the player's handbook in the previous game, but this time we actually used it. Oh, and I had to find that dastardly third-party book. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. What was it again? Oh, uh, the my favorite 3.5 book, you mean, because it made your life hell? Um, yep. The Book of Erotic Fantasy. <laughs> it made the, yep. the entirety of Richter's personality. What's, what's even worse is I introduced that book to Nick's 5E group. And he never, I don't think he ever forgave me for I don't it. think so either. I really don't. <laughs> but also like. You know, they have a 5e updated, like, miniaturized version of that rule set. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I found it again. But yeah. God, <laughs> God bless the spell, block the seed. Block yeah. the, praise the block the seed. Yep. Block the seed. Came Something back in so many campaigns after that. Drezos needs that cantrip. He doesn't believe in that. No, he doesn't. Drezos can't, Drezos can't even cast cantrips. He needs that cantrip <laughs> well, regardless. He needs without magic his, and... Without his godhood. No. Oh, no. In 5th edition, he needs the feat, magic initiate, and then he can take that cantrip. There you go. I fixed it. Nah. Is, is there any class? Is there any character in Five E that would really burn a cantrip slot on Block the Seed? I mean, if Drazos had a brain, he would. But we know oh, where wait, he... every bard ever. My bad. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say uh, uh, Scamlin. Um, bards, sorcerers, yeah, warlocks, some paladins. Um, a monk that is probably a monster. A damn fine monk. Trouble. Okay. I don't know. I don't well, know. at least it was meant to be sarcastic. <laughs> I don't know. We, we, just well, like our campaign, we went off the rails. Speaking of rails. <laughs> oh, yeah, the train system in Durham. 
We never even covered that. Not yeah. what I was talking about, but good thing. But yeah, we had a monorail. Yeah, there was a single train that ran between Durham and Hightower. You and know. They had plans to expand it, but... They didn't, because, didn't. well, it connected the two coolest cities in the whole continent. What more do you need? <laughs> For real. Though we had a whole continent. We got a whole fucking continent. And those are the only two cities I'm sure they probably added stops over the years along the, that rail, at least. Probably. Probably, but... We don't believe in those, so we don't talk about those. They're probably at least at a halfway point where they're like, all right, if you're heading to X, Y, or Z, you can get off here and hoof it the rest of the way. Yep. Mm-hmm. Buy your horse over there, because we're done with it. Oh my gosh, horse rentals. <laughs> horse rentals are probably a mad business scheme there. Well, yeah, it's like the bicycle rentals. Yeah, exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. So then the final of the, the basic missions in that packet of missions... I was also to go and deal with a spurned lover of Sebastian's. The mission was Sierra's idea. It did not go at, at all how you wanted. I know that. I got fucked up by everyone else, but especially Tyr. Yeah. Surprisingly, I didn't fuck that one up. No. Nah, you you were just kind of there for it. I, I fucked up a lot as an alcoholic whisper no, but not <laughs> that one. I, honest to God, don't remember what I originally wanted or know how it got messed up. I just know it went exactly the opposite of how it was supposed to go, and it really, like, it kind of wrecked the story, like, session building ideas for me for quite a while after that. Yeah. Like, this was my first time really, like, trying to input ideas, because obviously... I'm sorry, I think I remember how this went south, roughly. Yeah. Didn't someone try to use a deception roll instead of a persuasion roll, and they rolled really shitty? Yeah, wasn't there like a disguise or something, too? I don't know about the disguise, but I feel like someone used the absolute incorrect social interaction for what we should have been trying. Bluff over diplomacy? Yeah, Yeah. bluff. I forget. Yeah, that. Yeah, bluff was the thing at the time. Yeah. I think I think something like that might have played a part. I remember there was this letter too that like got sent or written. I remember, the right people did not handle the right stuff in that situation. No, no, they did not. But like, that wasn't a charisma build. I stayed out of it. Well, Tears' character didn't understand what was going on. Period. I think too. He like completely changed like the whole narrative at one point as to what was actually happening. Yeah, and I think it was because of his inquisitorial shit, and I got hidden behind the, uh, you know, the excuse of. Uh, oh, he did. He went full inquisitor on us. That's what yeah. my character would do. Yeah. That, that is how we got fucked up. He went full inquisitor with this shit. Yeah. But yeah, that that really burned me for a while because, like I, I was trying to say, was you know this campaign was kind of being ran by my character, you know, as. King Sebastian, because Andrew would actually let me, except in specific situations, I was typically running Sebastian. Yeah, we talk about what Sebastian needed the party to do, and yeah, he'd uh, narrate, you know, I'd have Sierra narrate his parts. Yep, unless it was, like, really story-based, or, like, really important story stuff, Andrew would let me... Um, control him. Unless I had to drop a lore dump, effectively. Yeah, that's when Andrew would take over, or, like, if it was a really big, like, mission story he had to do. For the most part, I had control. Same thing with Luthien. 
Um, that was something that Andrew and I really tried to work on with this campaign, but then also like the Ravandor campaign was, you know, we would oh. play our respective characters as their NPCs mm-hmm. just to kind of keep them in their most purest form. But yeah, <laughs> I think this was one of the few times we did like a Sebastian personal mission because I was just, I was done. I didn't want to do it again because it went so south. And the, that campaign, that flub kind of built the foundation of I want to DM someday, but it'll probably never happen. We have a we had a lot of toxic players in our group back then. Goddamn. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. It's been a trend that's happened a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's going to happen, unfortunately, in the majority of the world we, toxic people. We could build a house out of the toxic players slash characters. We could build a house out of just one of our toxic players. But yeah, if you put them all together, I'll build you a mansion. Heck yeah. I just need to find new skins. <laughs> <laughs> Buffalo, what is it, Buffalo Bill? From, yeah. yeah, Buffalo Bill style. I'll build you something out of that. Well... Uh, along the course of those missions, we lost Luthildor and Krieg. We lost Kylie's yeah, ranger. Due to personal and time issues and whatnot, they all jump shipped. Yep. Uh, but Ian was finally able to join us and brought in Brumley. Yeah, the, uh, the jester. The whole time we were playing no. this dang campaign <laughs> thus far, he was building Brumley, but due to school and everything, he wasn't able to join us for a bit. Yep. Brumley was a patchwork, homeless-looking jester. Yep. He was a spell thief thing. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he stole magic from folks. I remember that. Well, he was a jester, but he multiclassed into spell thief later on. Yeah, I remember that. Which was really fun. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I wish I would have gotten more into multiclassing back in 3.5. I didn't start my multi-class until we got into 5e, really. Yeah. Yeah. Multi-classing in 5th's, like, okay and everything. Like, you can really get far, but 3-5. <laughs> Dem builds, though. Sky builds. is the limit. And, you know, it's kind of like Mean Girls. The limit does not exist. And that's kind of also a problem. Also that's during fun. this time... Uh, as a reward for that last quest, uh, you received the Rod of Wonder. Yeah, yeah, um, I did. And that was also at the time that Tim decided to join us for a yeah. session or two and played a Warblade. Yep, that we don't remember the name to. I completely forgot about him. Didn't he have a rhino? That Which came <laughs> from the Rod of Wonder. Yeah, we, we, were like, yeah. we went out into like the suburbs, effectively. <laughs> we were in a field. Yeah, and, straight outside the city. Yeah, and we grew a tree, grew a tree on top of the tree, burned the whole thing down, and then got a rhino. And then... We stopped the rhino. Yeah. We gave... Well, we named... Tim's character named the rhino Raul, and that was his. Yep. And, so we had a warblade mount <laughs> And then I remember we took... We, like... Attacked a ship or something we'll with that. with said rhino. We like blasted their ship to pieces with it. Yep. So around that time, you Travis 
Fash had made, the had bought and then fixed up the SS Uzo. Yeah, because mm-hmm. by before just before that, the endless decanter of Uzo showed up. Yep, and three three hundred proof dwarven liquor, very flammable. Yeah, and the alcoholic had an infinite supply. Yeah, because several of them. Because wasn't this also the time of the one shot with the, uh, um, one decanter of water that Stephanie had that uh, Old Faithful. Yeah, Old Faithful is what inspired me to ask if those could exist. Yeah. Yeah, the one shot that you ran. Yeah, because I, I wasn't a part still, of it. I still love that. It was stupid, I, uh, and I, it was broken. I'm not I, forgiving Mike. And Mike's I'm the, sorry. Mike is the only one of you I don't forgive, and that's because of this line right here. You just activated my trap card. Yeah. I mean, I'm the one who did it. You're the one who physically moved the damn door open <laughs> over with all the scrolls on the other side of it. He is the one who said the line. I was fine with you being smart and playing an encounter against the black dragon who you thought was just a black dragon at the time. So, yeah. Um, but he, tell him about the SS Uzo and all the this. The SS Uzo was a Uzo-powered ship. Because these things could spray out, rather than give it steam paddles like some of the ships were through talk to me like we could do, yeah. rather than give it like it's man-powered, we powered it off of booze. Yeah, and weren't there flame like the the cannons blower? we swapped out for flamethrowers since they fired the booze. We found so many of these decanters. I don't remember when did we get these decanters. Uh, you commissioned them. Yeah, that's right. I specifically commissioned them for this. I really was an alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah, and basically... and plus the ship also had a basically an endless water fountain of booze in the middle of it. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah I also... Your your flamethrowers were the decanters. Yeah. And then you had. A nozzle. A little um, nozzle to the front that would hold up a flame of alchemist's fire in front of them. Yeah, it was effectively like a little lair. I I just remember you and Mike fighting, though. If, um, you were to die as Fash, that Richter was going to take over. I mean, Richter put half the gold, a little under half the gold into the ship. I know, but I... That is why I was the captain, because I put in majority gold. But I remember, like, the argument, though, of him, like, wanting to decommission the Uzo when you died or something. (laughs) No, he wanted to rename it. That's right. That's what it was. He wanted to rename it the SS Research. Yep. Yep. And have it be man with the when, when the pervert and the alcoholic argue over the dumbest of names for shit. <laughs> <laughs> these these two really took their real life problems sometimes to the game and it shows. Because <laughs> we're all just trying to have a great time and they're look, arguing about shit. Look, like at that. least we weren't arguing over who had the higher strength score. No, yet. that's that's for another game we'll get to. Yep. Or who could wield the bigger sword, technically. Yeah, that's Which enough. is me. Yep. It's me, because I can wield a proper colossal sword. He can only wield a downsized colossal sword. Ah, Dark Tower. That's a, another problem for another day. Moving on. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, it was... Basically, what was happening at that time was that while we were testing that, uh, Darum got attacked by uh, a ship filled with powerful casters, 
led by a strong druid, if I recall. Yep. Who had the capability of casting submerged ship. Yeah, that's how he got they got that close in the first place. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the city's defenses, uh, with our help, managed to knock out most of their fleet. It's because of them that I got the idea for the submarine sailboat later on. Yep. Uh, but they retreated down the coast, and we ended up following them in the SS Uzo. Yep. And it was around that time that you were starting to get tired of Fash's alcoholic yeah. tendencies. Yeah, I was bored. I was a new player trying to figure out what I wanted to actually do. Yep, and we just found that. And so I flipped the script. I went from what was supposed to be a really silly... Well, I'll let you continue and explain before we go here. Well, I remember around this time, too, is when we found that uh, engineering project of the Arrow, too. Yeah, the engineering <laughs> meme. Yeah. For what happens when engineers play D&D, where you have the arrow. With the portable hole. And with the... the bag of holding uh, held open inside the tip of the arrow with a tiny rolled up portable hole as the actual tip. So that as soon as it hits something, the portable hole gets pushed in to the bag inside the tip of the arrow and portable hole bag of holding 10 foot space rip. It all goes boom. Yeah. And I had given you one of those. Yeah, you had given me one of those. Just for shits, to see what you would do with it. Mm. Well. <laughs> Found out what you would do with it. Yeah. What happened was we ended up tying Fash to a ballista with an arm free with the arrow in it. Yeah. And, and it we also loaded it. in all of the consumable explosives that we had, including the pipe bombs that you and Mike came up with. See, see, no one to. said yep. shit about the explosives until after I was strapped to the ballista bolt. <laughs> Along with also flasks of alchemist's fire and acid, there were thunderstones in yeah, there. Yeah, 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 no, no, you guys, here's how this went down. Fash got strapped to this ballista bolt after agreeing, and then he gets to see them all of a sudden just piling all these explosives around. We just like, dumped, basically, <laughs> Santa's Christmas bag of goodies onto his poor little gnome body, and we're like, "All right, goodbye, buddy." Basically, they were like, "You can't chicken out hitting this arrow because he's gonna blow up and kill you anyways." Yeah, you <laughs> wanted an out. I did want an out. I did not realize you guys were giving me an out. You gave me a hella out. <laughs> you did get a hella out. We we boarded the vessel when it came up toward the town of Sea Reach, which, funnily enough, is the town that my dad's first character came from. Yep. Um, we, we boarded the, it. We were hitting all the nostalgia trails. Yeah, Tim with his warblade mounted on Raul the Rhino <laughs> ran across the gangplank and started laying waste, along with the rest of us. And then Fash got fired into their mast. <laughs> And fired heat. And there was a big explosion. We had fireworks. And a sucking sound. And he was gone. For now. Yeah, tune in for what happened to him next time. Yeah, because he this isn't the last time you're going to hear about Fash. Because no. Drew came to me with some good shit after this. Far down the line. And actually, weren't we already talking about this too? And that's yeah. why we decided to go this specific route about it. Yep. Partially, yes. Yeah. Sorry, I'm being super cryptic, but this is good stuff that you don't want spoiled. Yep. <sighs> we succeeded. Of course. And that was when. It was getting toward Christmas time in real life. Yep, we were getting and close to... And so the to seasons shifted in-game. 
Yep. And we're getting into exams and that fun stuff. So it was about time to have one final hoorah session. And you had your new character all worked out. Yes, I did. And we hadn't gotten to fight a dragon or anything yet. I remember that. It's literally the reason you gave me for why we were fighting a dragon. Yeah. we haven't done it yet. Also, Glendor was the one you played for the Christmas party, correct? Yes, he was. That's um, right. I also, we also thought that a druid protecting nature against a dragon that was going around wrecking it was a pretty good like story introduction yeah. moment. Yep. Yeah, because around this time we also did our... Uh, it wasn't really a one-shot. Well, it was, but it was like a RP one-shot. It was a, a Christmas Secret Santa and D&D special. Yep, which is pretty fun. Yeah, because we brought in new... Like, we actually assigned people different characters and, like, actually made people think of what to get. It's like real Secret Santa, except we didn't have to spend money. We just had to think of, like, cool items and stuff. Yep. We just had to spend fake money. Yeah. yeah. I still remember the stained glass window I got as yeah. a, that Sebastian got. I don't remember yeah. what Natalia got. Oh. oh, no, the window. I. That was the, the, the window, window was, was for the for... Fallen Angel Bar in the evil campaign, wasn't it? No, no, no. The window was for Fang's place. That's oh, right. That's right. We did get a mosaic in that campaign that turned into an angel that defended the yeah, fallen angel bar. But we yes. somebody did like the mermaid from Harry Potter type thing for Fang's place for Fang. Yep. That's right. I, I think it was it was either Mojo or Malachi. Yeah. I'm not sure which. I, I know one of like Sebastian or Luthien or Natalia got some pretty cool stuff too. I just can't remember what. I think one of them got like a portrait done of the family. Something like that, I think. Yeah. I people I didn't. I was not part of that as Glindwer since he had the vow of poverty. Mm-hmm. Since yeah. anything that they got for him, it was, I also didn't have it through my head that he could keep gear that would make him be able to earn more money for charity. Yeah, this was our first time dealing with the different vows or anything. Yeah, I just saw it online as a sacred feat, I believe. Yeah. Since you can take them for free or something like that. Yeah, you can just choose to do it. But I think they state that if you choose them at character creation, you're stuck with them and unless otherwise broken, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, it's kind of If like you cool. break your vow, you you cannot regain its benefits. Without... Why don't you explain who Glindor was? Yes, um, Glindor was a pixie druid with a big grizzly bear named Grizz. Yep. Um, he had blue and purple hair. I don't really, and he had pale skin, but he was really tiny, and he, oft, more oftentimes than not, in combat, he was invisible. Yeah. But out of combat, he wasn't one of those dicks. Drew specifically asked me this, don't be that guy who just stays invisible and scares people every single encounter, like, peaceful encounter. Yeah, every time that there is a RP anything going on, don't be invisible 24 fucking 7. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple RPs annoying. I stayed invisible for. But oh, I, yeah, because they, they did make sense. I stayed invisible to give us an edge so they didn't know how many of us there were. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You did it when it was appropriate, not just to fuck with every NPC you came across. Exactly. Or player characters. Or players. 
Because, you know... And, oh, I messed with some player characters, all right. Well, obviously. But we all know there's, you know, those players that do stay invisible 24-7, though. If they can, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, it can be a problem. Personally, if I'd yeah, been... strong races, though. It was fun. And, uh... It was a lot of fun, yeah. And you had the vow of poverty. Yes, the vow of poverty. Yep, and your charity was orphanages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I remember you were always taking care of that in the city. Always. That's what, when he uh, retired from adventuring, after he deemed, after dying the first time, it wasn't the life for him. <laughs> um, that he That's what he went to do. He went to work at the orphanage. Yep. It was during the winter of that year, in yeah. and out of game, that the party got wind of a green dragon in the uh, the Fey Woods to the south, where the elven capital city was, and their civilization, yeah. plus um, the, like the summer court of the Fey, unfortunate. the Seely Court. Yeah, unfortunate to 5th edition, um, we called our area of the woods the Feywild. Yeah, we called it the Feywild, and then 5th edition fucked me. Yeah, so now we gotta figure out a new name. Yeah. I'm sure they're not calling it the Octonwald. So, our know. version of the Feywild... The Lost Reaches. We'll figure it out. We'll figure because it out. we got it eventually. It's supposed to be like a light place, mostly. Yeah. That's where Lothian's technically from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was a green dragon there, and it had made its home by a gigantic tree... Uh, sitting on a oh, currently frozen lake. I remember that. And that a lot thing of its was... horde was under the lake and shit. Yeah, that whole tree was a pain to fight in and around and everything. Yeah, mostly around. You guys were fighting on the ice for. Yeah, much the, the whole ice fight. wasn't fun either, though, because we were all slipping and sliding. Mm-hmm. Speak for yourselves. <laughs> I don't want to hear about Flyboy. I remember that was the first time that I think Richter summoned a fucking creature into the fight. Yeah. yeah. Like an ice worm or something like that. An yeah. ice centipede. Ice centipede, yeah, that's what yep. it was. And he climbed up the tree. Yep. Mm hmm. Because I think he needed, it was up in the air above the tree, so he had the centipede reach out so that he, well, he was on its head so that he could reach it. Pretty big ball of move. <laughs> Not gonna lie, that was a good move on his part. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good move. It was a good move. It was during this fight that Glindor entered the scene. Mm-hmm. Thankfully with the perfectly prepared spell because he knew we were going to fight a dragon. Yeah. Yes, Glindor was the only one who really knew. And I still don't remember exactly what fucking spell it was. I've tried looking it, it up. It was the comparable, ver- whatever the version of Earthbind in 5th edition was. I'm talking about the Oh, one no, the Brittle one Skin. The... Brittle Skin. It was Brittle Skin. Okay. I gotta look that up. Or something along those lines. All I know is it, is it had Brittle in the name. Yeah, it, re- it reduced his natural armor enough to where the party could actually start So actually ass. what it did, yeah, yeah. it made him take extra damage equal to his natural armor. You can tell we haven't played... And reduced his natural three, armor. 3-5 since like 2018, though. Yeah, it's been a little bit. Because we, do, we didn't even really touch 3-5 for Ravandor. That was all Pathfinder, really. I mean, I mix the two freely. Yeah, so. but we we're starting to really touch Pathfinder more. Honestly, yeah, a lot of Glindwer's spells ended up getting used for healing during his tenure. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, you can tell it's been a while since we touched three five only because dang all them spells, and they're hard to remember. Yeah, 
Yeah, the party was successful in killing the dragon. Yeah, that one was one of our most successful fights. And then because the fight had not lasted very long and it was supposed to be big and epic, I pulled some DM bullshit out of my ass. Yeah, mm-hmm. Andrew's good at this special. And I said that the thing had an amulet on it, which I then had to give the party afterward, of course, <laughs> that raised it from the dead at full hit points, uh, but it was bubbling with acid and then when they killed it again it exploded. Yeah. Basically, it came back as a bloated acid filled. I'm pretty sure you didn't give us that amulet. I'm pretty sure you said it was destroyed in the acid explosion. I don't remember. Was it? I'm pretty sure. Well, being acid, it probably had to have been. Probably. I don't even know. I'm pretty sure you said it was a one-time use magic item, and it was destroyed in the explosion. Yeah. Probably. But... So you, you DM bullshitted very well. You even covered your ass with your excuse. True. But this was one of the last campaign sessions of this for a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the uh, that was the final session. Yeah, because then you had to leave school. Yep, and we didn't pick up Darren again until the next fall. Yeah, like winter ish. Yeah, that we picked up Darren again when I moved back to town after moving back home for the summer, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, no, we didn't... No, not even that fall. It was, like, the spring because the next fall we tried the Pirates. Mm, we like, tried Dark Tower. Work, so Dark mm, Tower I out. missed the Pirates completely. It was only one session. Oh, sweet. So, yeah, it was It was a little over a year, actually. Yeah. It was about a year and yeah, a quarter. Because, yeah, after that last session of Darum, I did not play D&D for the entire... Next semester, because I was, because you guys were doing the Dragon Age games and stuff, and I wasn't invited to that, and honestly, you didn't miss much. Those no, Dragon but Age I was literally the only one in the group not invited at that point, so that kind of stunk for what it was. And then I was a full member of KKSI at that point too, so I was kind of stuck in that for a bit. And then you and I tried doing stuff over the summer. We were, I think that was the summer you and I tried doing a two-person campaign for a hot second. Yeah, that didn't really take. Yep, and then when we moved in with Mike that following fall, we just said, you know what, let's redevelop some new games. Yeah, and we did a couple of one-shots, and we... Attempted to do our pirate game with Zach, who was Tears player before, and, and, that, and it did not work. That Zach turned into was a one gone shot. by the time I reintroduced. Right? Yeah, that was the last time we played with him. Was when we tried doing the pirate game because he blew it. Nobody wanted to be around. Well, him. to boot, he had the whole bubbles thing too in my previous campaign in Ravenloft. Yeah, because when Darum fell off, I picked up Ravenloft, which was nice. Yeah. Well, I guess now we were running some Ravenloft. Yeah, evil, evil campaign. And, yeah, evil campaign of yours and the Ravenloft were running at the same time. I think time. I started Ravenloft when I decided definitively that evil was too much for me. Yeah. Yeah. Triple guessed all evil characters. <laughs> why Why did you ever tell a first time DM to triple gestalt and be like, no, nah, it's okay, dude. It'll be okay. <laughs> I didn't think it'd be that bad. It was pretty fucking bad. That was like, I can say hands down, I don't even want to do a gestalt again, let alone a triple. Well, I mean, the last time you did, it was 
not bad. It wasn't terrible. I do like half gestalts, though. I kind of invented them myself, I feel like. Where in for 5th edition, you get the traits of your secondary class uh, at half the rate. So if you're level 10 as a paladin, let's say, and you're off as a wizard, you're level 5 wizard as far as abilities and traits go. So, while we wrap things up, let's give you a quick uh, preview of what you'll get next time. You're going to get the time skip where, you know, in real life, obviously we just discussed, we didn't play this game for quite a while. So, there'll be an in-game time skip as well. Um, the, the party changes. Big shock. We get some new people, some people ditch again. Um, yeah, a lot of things happen. The characters get closer, the characters argue more than ever. The danger ramps up. Yep. Yeah, you can say that again. The yeah, <laughs> he definitely knows. Yeah, you and, turned it back. And I know I, I... You specifically. And, um, yeah, bards are not your friends in the, the next part. And then after part two... We'll wrap some things up and hopefully maybe question mark the final chapter that will be part three, but you know, stay tuned for parts two and three in the epilogue because this campaign did have an epilogue, so the, the secret fourth chapter of the parts. <laughs> but that's the, the beginning of Darum. Yeah. That was a lot. <laughs> that, that was literally three months worth of content, though. Because we started in early September. I was about to say, because I was playing with you maybe a week after I met you. Yeah, so like the week after and Labor I Day. I met you like a week into school. Yeah, yep. so about Labor Day we started playing this. And then... Yeah, we wrapped up about early, mid-December. So, yeah, good few months where we were playing, like, every single Sunday. So, we got a lot done. Yeah. There was a lot to it. And we got pretty far. I mean, I think by then you guys were level... Um, I think like level eight. seven or eight. Yeah. I think we were level 8 after that dragon fight for some reason. Yeah. I don't know for sure, but 8 just sounds good, to, like right or good. We ended, that sounds about right. Yeah, we didn't end at 20, I know that, but like we were picking no, up. that game ended at like 16. Yeah, 16, 17. I was about to say, uh, because um, yeah, I don't think Brolair had uh, 9th level spells yet. No, he no, didn't, no, but yeah, we picked up levels pretty quickly early on. But we are still doing the XP system right now. Yeah. We also didn't fully even understand the XP system back then. <laughs> no, but we we stopped doing the thing that Andrew and I were stupid and doing when we were first playing, and that's you keep what you kill. We weren't doing that crap anymore. We were still <coughs> we were still doing the stupid thing of Plus if you join the party, you join at the closest increment of five, though. Yeah, kind of a dick move. I mean, it, at the time we were trying to figure shit out. But also, yeah. it seems fair, though, because not everybody has the same levels of experience and stuff, so... It is what it is. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I've... They always caught up quick. Yeah. And, and all honesty, 
this is something Andrew started me talking about with him and I is I want a multi-leveled party. Mm, that's I I am for you on that and against you on yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, the way I see it, it's okay for a one-shot or a short adventure. Well, that's what I was planning before once again. Yeah, because we've done some varied level stuff in the past, like the um, monster mashes. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, so after that preview of the next parts, keep tuning in to them. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Tavern for Two. Only it's going to be three again.